a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, this is Jason Lee with Voices of Reason. We have some bonus content for you, a continuation of our discussion on race and politics with Burgess Owens and Professor Paul White. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to Voices of Reason. I am Jason Lee along with... uh, Burgess Owens, who is uh, gratefully, uh, and Paul, Dr. Paul White, who have decided to stay with us as we have this discussion, talking about politics, race, uh, just culture, and uh, how we in America are kind of at a, a crossroads trying to understand the struggle of what what can we do to create the most equal and, and optimal society that, uh, that all of us can enjoy, no matter mm-hmm. what we look like, where we're from, and, and how much money we have. Uh, so you were uh, mentioning, Burgess, that um, you, you, you feel as though there, there's kind of this war, and I, I'm always afraid of using hyper, hyperbolic language like that because yeah. war seems kind of strong, but, um, but I wouldn't, there until, is this, this conflict, though. Yeah, right? and I just wanted to jump in on that idea because I, I don't disagree with you, right? So I have felt, and uh, in, in those of you who are on my Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram friends know that there are times when a these issues get the best of me, healthcare and and uh, immigration, mm-hmm. um, because I feel like they are lives are in in the balance. It's not these are not um, you know potholes or whatever. These are can people live? Can they have a job? Can they keep a job? Um, can they follow that American dream? And so to me, when we talk about the socialist, the war about socialism, um, I do think it boils back down to what I said earlier in the show, which is. It's the label, it's the way in which we see government's role in our lives. And I think that my friends and family who are against and who do see it as a war against socialism um, see it as a war against having the government make personal decisions about your health care, about who can live next door to you, those kinds of things. I see it as just the flip, just the opposite. It still feels very, you know, battle-like to me, but it is about can people keep a job, have a job, get health care, um, you know, have any hope of chasing the American dream. I think one of the mistakes we make is talking about, I believe this country's the greatest country. Jason and I have had this debate on the show before. Um, but I believe that, but I also believe it's always aspirational, that it's the response, that saying it and taking it for granted, it, you know, it dismisses your, your uh, responsibility mm-hmm. to live like, up like to that, that yeah. to what our forefathers and mothers gave to us. So for me, I just wondered what you two thought of this idea that I do th- see this, some of this as very, uh, you know, critical. Like, I don't want to I'm like Jason, I don't really want to call it war, but it feels like life and death, you know, is in the balance. But for me, it is I want the government to do better. It's not that I want them to do more, but I want them to do better in what they are in immigration and in delivering and, and monitor, you know, uh, I guess regulating healthcare stuff. But I also know I have family that I love and trust that says I don't trust them. I don't mm-hmm. want them involved. It's just got to be free market. I think the free market has failed us in that in the in regards to healthcare. But I just wondered, like, your thoughts on those two like that, like my my because I don't disagree with you. No. I just think the. 
I would switch up the way in which we're fighting the war, okay. right? So I don't know. Paul, you want to? Well, one one thing, just in the one quick one, um, and so you're you were bringing up how you know it seems like now it seems it seems like it's urgent um, that it's there's this fight that that or this battle or this conflict for people's health care, for people's immigration, for people's jobs, for people's X, Y, Z. For the ability to chase the American dream. And that's part of the problem mm-hmm. is we go back to what we were talking about at the beginning, history. That has been the issue with our country and our society since day one. There have been some groups that have been able to pursue the American dream. There have been some groups that have been able to fight through and get glimpses of the American dream, but not get the full attainment of it. There have been some groups that have always, always been at the bottom. You, one of the things you mentioned about with socialism and Marxism was talk about a stratified, you know, society Mm -hmm. that you're going to have some at the top, some at the bottom who need to be taken care of. That has been, Again, that's been America since day one. There have always that's been our society. That's been our, if you look through the world, our world history. But it hasn't always been the government's responsibility. Well, and that's and that's <laughs> that's part of where, um, which is the, now our dilemma. But, but but part of it is if you think about I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking papal states where it was the actual the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church and the Pope along with kings and queens in kingdoms. They set up things so that you would have people at the top, people at the bottom. Can, can I say, Paul, one of the things that I think is more that we all recognize, the American dream is very fluid in our country based on how we adhere to those, those tenets and based on the culture that adheres to it. Uh, my dad came back from war, could not, go, could not get his postgraduate mm-hmm. in Texas because of Jim Crow laws, and ran across a, a, a box of rejection letters when he passed away. All these college cross-country that, that rejected him. He got to Ohio State, got his Ph.D. there. Went on to become a very successful professor, entrepreneur. When I was five years old, we lived in, a- in Liberia, Africa, because he was doing research there. Uh, when I was uh, 12 years old, an- another uh, of his older brothers who had a part-time business in which he bought his little private plane and would take, this is 60, 1960. Nobody bought private planes those days, but he did. <laughs> um, and by the way, we're not, we're not wealthy. We're middle class. Uh, he would take a mail from uh, 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 Base in, in Fort Wichita Falls, Wichita Falls down to, to, to Chicago because he loved that. And I had my first experience in a plane at 12 years old. Him to teach me how stall worked, uh, airplane stall. So <clears throat> my point is this. There's so much history that we don't know about. And I can tell you this. Every single culture has experienced the American dream. I, I lived it. I know what it feels like. At the same time, every single culture spirit has felt the, the depression of hopelessness. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the thing about our country is the more success we have with people who come from the middle class. The middle class is the, is the, is the, the, the magic. The larger the middle class, the more is empathy we have with people who are trying to get to us. And we've, we're losing that when we get these elitists. Elitism has been our biggest issue and our biggest evil. People get to a point where they don't understand relate to middle class anymore, and they live their, their dreams, and they, they, they fly their planes and do whatever, and then tell the rest of us we can't, uh, we can't get there. I would suggest that, but, that started when the country was started by the elitists, <coughs> uh, <coughs> Jefferson and uh, his ilk, uh, George Washington. Yeah, But, well, see, one of the things, where I grew up, actually where I, like I said, spent most of my childhood and grew up in adolescence in southeastern Kentucky, that's the area that we're talking, and I'm talking 
70s and 80s, that if you go back and look now, if anything, it's gotten a little worse. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a county with, at the time, I still remember the 1980 census, I think it was 28,000 people in the county. There were 120 blacks. This is white. This is white Appalachia. This is the hillbillies. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, so it's, we, one of the things we've not talked about is class. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where in lots of places you have ethnicity and class together but that is one of the that's one of the big things in terms of talking about the American dream that I lots of my friends and thinking, well, yeah, <laughs> lots of my friends were not able to pursue the American dream. But even then, they I was one of the weird ones growing up because I was the person who was saying, I'm going to college. Mm-hmm. I'm going to grad school. <clears throat> Most of my friends were like. When I get 16, I'm quitting high school and getting somebody pregnant or I'm going to get yeah. pregnant, yeah. and that's going to be my life. Yeah. And we're talking about white people, yeah. not blacks. And, and, and can, can, I, can I add, because I, I think what we're, what the biggest factor of the American dream is how many people do we have to participate in a free market? How many, how many business owners do we have? Because I'll mm-hmm. tell you what happens a business owner. As a business owner... I don't care what my religion is, what my color is. I want people to show up to my shop every single day and come back. So what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure I'm as nice as I can be. I'm going to make sure if they have any issues, they don't become mine. I'm going to still treat them nice so they keep coming back. And I'm going to make sure that that community that I'm now building my business in will, will flourish because my kids will be growing up. And my kids will learn. I've seen this, I guess, I've seen this particularly in the Asian uh, uh, community. I go into a restaurant. I see these young kids behind the counter. And I say, how awesome is this? They're, they're learning how to, to inter- interact with, with customers. They're being nice. Uh, somebody comes in with an issue that doesn't become theirs because they, they realize their livelihood depends on how nice they can be and how people can get along with and like them. So we have to get back to free market. Right. As but opposed to the other even side there, this is, goes back to something Amy was bringing up in terms of the gov- the, what you see as the role of government and something you mentioned with the, um, um, with the farm loans because that comes from the, the – 1619 project 1619 um where they actually they did a series of articles about it even before that yeah Yeah. where it was the sugarcane farmers in louisiana (laughs) texas who were black who had the land and this goes back to slavery working it doing fine doing great things and all of a sudden the government or and people in the people who are i should say the government it was the yeah it was the it was was free market banks that were specifically targeting whites over blacks and by doing little things it actually it was heartbreaking to hear the the podcast where the guy was talking about he when he 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 grew up his father he grew up doing this he learned how to do all this stuff at a young age kind of what you're i mean what you're talking about that young Um, person in the restaurant is the one who would know how to run a restaurant you would give that person a loan because they grew up in that business but what they ended up doing was they were by targeting whites this what this one guy he talked about how his cousin's farm started failing and then he went back and 
apologized because then he realized, no, they were because the banks were saying, oh, he's lazy. And they started saying, well, no, you're lazy, even though he had been doing so well until the banks undercut him. That's where government needs to step well, in. Well, what they did was they gave uh, black farmers less money and they gave it to them later, later. in the season. Mm-hmm. And so they couldn't farm <laughs> as much. Sounds like the racist in control of in control of that particular. Yeah. Department. And so and so when they, institutional, though, right? here, it was institutional. It was built into the banking yeah. system and some banks wouldn't give mm-hmm. uh, farm loans anymore <laughs> as well. Um, and so what happened is when you when they reported it to the Office of Civil Rights, which is was created to deal with these kinds of complaints that you think are race based, um, had been closed by Ronald Reagan. So they couldn't get relief. So they, they were just putting them in a file folder and sticking them in a room and nothing was happening with it. So now there's a lawsuit about it. But but I would say this even too. Jason and I are business owners. And I do think that when a black man and a woman come in, you're kind of like, well, but do you guys own another business? Have you done anything before? And, and that, no, there and, is and, this and, sort and of this reluctance is, is, to take a chance on and us. This is the re- this is mm-hmm. this is a process of low, low the low the bigotry of low expectations, which mm-hmm. happened over time. Because mm-hmm. you wouldn't think the same way of an Asian American or a Western American. Mm-hmm. At one point in the forties, fifties, and sixties, you wouldn't have thought that way about Black Americans because mm-hmm. we were leading the country in the growth of the middle class. My dad, we, we were taught about keeping your word, make sure you had a handshake meant, meant something. Yeah. Our, our, our community was gaining the kind of respect that many Americans have no idea that that was even a. a but I think the erosion of that is, is complicated. Well, here's yeah. the deal. Here's the deal. It was a time in which forty percent of Black America were free market. We were free enterprises. We were business mm-hmm. owners. We were teaching our kids how but to go out and do those. what happens when the bank forecloses on you or the bank doesn't give you enough or, money to run your business? Or what well, and, and le- unless, yeah. unless we have banks that are black-owned and they relate to the community. And that we were doing that also. Mm-hmm. You see, so we have to, we, this fight we're having, guys, yeah. is nothing new. It, 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 it's it, 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 And we, you're right. There are, there are races out there. We need to make sure we weave those guys out. But that's not the, the American way. The American way is value-based meritocracy. But that's part of Racism and sexism and some of these institutionalized factors are baked into the American pie. And unless we realize that and see that and are willing to talk about it, yeah. we're not, it's then not going to happen. It. Because that's why I, I'll bring up again Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Black Wall Street was, was, was doing gangbusters. And if you have overnight, overnight it's gone. Until Google the KKK it. bombed it from above, 12 right. hours it was out. You have to understand. Right. The no, KKK, no, no. But, right. these but, are evil people that were, were, were fighting against our American way. But, but those ideals KKK, didn't just go away. Right. But the KKK was made up of police. Bankers. Bankers. And they're also, and and I hate to say this word, but they were also Democrats. I'm sorry. But there was also. There was also Republicans. No, no, they weren't. They were not. It doesn't matter. No, there was not. And this is where we need to learn our history, guys. The the Democratic Party, there was a terrorist group of the Democratic Party, KKK. Matter of fact, there were 4,700 Americans being lynched by the KKK. 1,300 of them were white Republicans. You have to understand, guys, this is the reality. No, no, I don't disagree with you. But listen, let's look at... um, who David Duke is supporting now. Yeah. So he's not supporting Democrats anymore, well, and he hasn't for the, the last 40 years. The KKK wizard in years. California was reporting, uh, supporting uh, Hillary. So we can't control that, Exactly. You just made your own point. own argument. So you just said one moment ago that it was all the Democrats, and then you say, well, one person was a Republican. But I don't want to get to that because I don't 
believe that I, I feel like that's that's a red herring that's completely uh, ignoring what we're trying to get to, which is the, the more important matter. That it spans right? all political right, right. ideas. So Racism I, is not unique to so either I, political ideas. I'm not trying to blame one party or the other. I'm not. I am, I am so past that. What I would like to go back to, though, is the institutionalization mm-hmm. of the discrimination that you spoke of. Mm-hmm. Because whoever was running these institutions, and it still happens to a degree today. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why disproportionately people of color and people of little means, poor people, are still having such a struggle. And those who have, have power, have influence, have, have influence, are able to increase their wealth, increase their power, increase their ability to control whatever institutions that they live in and around. Well, we have to, add, we have to, we have to understand, guys, we're in a, a, a time now where black people are also in control. We have black communities. We have black mm-hmm. mayors. We have black, a black president. So, so we cannot no longer say totally that, that, that everything is so is, is white control because it's not. No, I don't, I'm not saying that. I will say this. I will say this. First of all, I would disagree with that, but I, I would yeah, well, say that I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't want you to think that I am. Can, can I say what, what I think the enemy truly is? When I, when I say enemy, I really do mean that because yeah. it's against our livelihood. It's against our future. It's against our kids. It's not a black and white thing. It's an elitist thing. There are people, mm-hmm. black, the black people today that live the American dream, that vote for every single anti-black policy you can possibly think of. They vote for uh, keeping kids not having, not having choices. They, they, they vote for uh, uh, something that, well, I'm going to give a high minimum wage, by the way. High minimum wage, believe it or not, it hurts us first because we're trying to get on that first rung run of the letter, ladder. How does it, a low minimum wage <laughs> help me? Because it allows business owners to hire someone who wants to get a but start. But I don't make any money. No, because no, it's, a, it's a start. It's, that's not a start, no, Burgess. No, everyone, you and I would never work for minimum wage. No, because you're right. <laughs> but my kids would because they want to get a start. But those kids because are teenagers. We're talking about adults no, trying no, to uh, because it's not designed families. for adults. It's, it's designed for people who want to try to get a start. It's but designed for, that is true. It used to be designed for adults, that's I what, mean for children. Today, there are many adults working minimum wage jobs. If you go to Seattle, there are people who are working as adults in, in uh, service industry jobs. These, this is their job, for real. And they have a higher minimum wage. I recognize it it's means not, it costs more. Wages just haven't kept pace with what right. it costs to live. Right. And so you have adults who are going, trying to go to school and trying to and trying to um, to support themselves. My daughter has two jobs now, and she cannot support her. She cannot pay for all the things she needs to in in living in Portland um, on two minimum wage jobs. But she has two minimum wage jobs. And then she has a parent who can help her. But what, a lot of kids don't have that. And I'm going to tell you what happens. The first thing that happens with a high minimum wage, first of all, it's beneficial for the, for the, uh, for the labor unions because labor unions, they, they tag their, their uh, uh, they tag The reason we even have a minimum wage is because of no, a labor no, union. No, 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 no. But yeah. the, higher, the higher the minimum wage goes, the more attractive uh, skilled workers are. Okay. You have to understand. So the skilled workers mm-hmm. are laborers, or labor yeah. unions. All right. And at the end of the day, who gets hurts most? Minimum wage hurts black Black boys and girls trying to get a start. So what do they do? They sit back. They sit back and they watch these buildings going up, built by unions, high minimum wage, high minimum wage, and they sit back not not being able to get a job because they but don't have a skill set. Those buildings aren't being built on minimum wage. They're being <laughs> built by people who have a journeyman uh, licenses they're built, they're and, built, and certifications. They're, they're built on Davis Bacon Act. The ba- Davis Bacon Act states that uh, that the federal uh, uh, federal federal buildings and projects are done by unions. Now, this, but uh, the unions start, don't uh, work uh, for minimum wage. Well, not, yeah, they don't. You're right. But 1932 was put in place because blacks were competing against unions. So they put the Davis-Bacon Act, which basically says this. You come in with these, anything over $2,000 has to be, be Davis-Bacon. 
You come in, you see these, these buildings being built, white, white union, union people come in to, to work, get their, get their income, and they take it back, and blacks sitting there watching it on welfare. Because, because they, they can't, can't get, get in the unions. Yeah. Right. That's which is, ex- which yeah. is exactly That's why I was issue. talking about, ins- and you, Jason, was bringing up, right. institutionalization, Absolutely. It's institutionalization so what, of these issues. That's right. But I, I will say why I did the timeouts time was when you, were, when you were mentioning black mayors, a black president, mm-hmm. um, this is this is pushback I get so so much from students and from other pe- and friends and others who will say, well, especially racism and Jason and Amy know I have different slightly different definitions of that from a scholarly. He doesn't like how often I use it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but it's the idea that if a we have a black president. Or you have a black mayor, black therefore, <laughs> therefore, racism's gone, and yeah. that's not the case because you can. St- and I'll use the state of Michigan, which, you know, as Ohio State person, I shouldn't mention. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the state of Michigan with Flint and yeah. with Detroit, you had black mayors, you had black leadership, but at the state house, who were controlling everything, in real, it was whites, and it was. Yeah, yeah. They they were ignoring. They were, the decision makers. They were ignoring right. some of the issues right. and problems that were going on. But let so, let me add a wrinkle to this: is tokenism. And that's part I've of it been too. a token, and when you get a chance to be in the room of power, sometimes you don't dare fight for other people to come to the table because you don't want to get kicked out. I so call you, that I call that elitism. I, call I agree that, with you. I, I call I, that I, cowardice. The, yes, and we, I, I don't yeah. disagree with you. Uh, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think we're as far apart on some of these things as yeah. we feel like we are because of the terminology. But yeah. I feel like um, when you're a, that's what when you talk about uh, why would a black mayor go along with a white legislature that wouldn't fix water pipes and would poison its Good people. Question. Right? Good question. Yeah. And I think that I think you. You have people, and that's why I think neither political party has done right by most of us. <laughs> if would, you go to Chicago, yeah. it's run by Democrats, and they are the most crooked SOBs you have ever come across in your life. Yeah, and I you with. once you get yeah, in, once you get a little drink of that power, once you get what, what, invited to the table. What Jason just said, it doesn't matter what party. We have to get back. Mm-hmm. What what impacts the people? What impacts our kids? You know, we are a, a nation that has been so focused in the past. We'll make sure our kids have a better life, that mm-hmm. they have a better springboard. And for the first time, we're not thinking about our kids. We're thinking about how much can I get? Yeah, I'll get the power. I'm going to get my I'm going to I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to be a, this this great position. I can now live the, the, the American dream. And my kids don't oh, your kids don't matter because my kids will. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure they get the right education. They travel with me. They learn how to speak. They pull up their pants, mm-hmm. all those things. But we have to get we have to understand as a as a people, we cannot afford anymore to get these these knuckleheads in office who care more about themselves than anybody else. And that's been our, black and white guys. Yeah. That's right. been no, right. I, I yeah. agree with that. I mean, I, as a, as a kid, like I said, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. Um, and, and I know a lot of people will point to the eighties and talk about Ronald Reagan and the explosion there, the whole greed is good kind of motto. And if you think about it, yeah, that's part of it. But again, this was going on for decades, for centuries beforehand. The whole idea of the three-fifths compromise in the Constitution, that was – not only was that just because 
of thinking of slavery and black was just, uh, the part of yeah. the Constitution that says that uh, people of color, black people, were only re- considered three-fifths of a person. When you're counting when, population. When you're counting population, population right. because of voting, because of why? Because the northern states were afraid of the southern states right. because of the large slave populations that the southern states would rule everything. So that was the compromise that they came up Can with. Can I add something to that? They're also concerned, the northern states were concerned that the southern states would connect with England, who was still our right. enemy. And, yes. and yes. They, wanted, they wanted union. They wanted a union so they can kind of get together. And they kicked the can down the road. Unfortunately, they kicked the can because they figured the union is better right now than dealing with this issue. Right. And that's why we had to pay the price of 600,000 right. lives later yeah. on because they kicked the can until... And by the way, that one of the things with that is you look... Look at look at you want to talk history. Look at our history. How I can't remember now off the top of my head. Is it the f- first seven of the first nine presidents were basically from the from the not, not from just slave from the south from I think it was like Virginia. from Virginia. Virginia is the south, right? Yeah, yeah. and that, I mean that's and it, because that was that was people want to look and think northeast and mm-hmm. Boston and, and New York was the seat of no the seat of power was Virginia. Right. Why was Seat of power, of Virginia, because of slaves. That's right, and it got baked, again got baked into the system. It's always been, it's and, always and, been and, there, and it's always been. I agree with you in terms of those who are in power wanting to hold power and doing whatever they can to hold power. Yeah. For blacks who, like you were talking about, who were middle class, upper middle class, that were making it to you know in our in the you can think in the nineteen twenties think. Harlem Renaissance, nineteen thirties, nineteen forties, that were that were yep. making it and doing well. Yeah. Where did they live? They still lived on the outskirts of the black community. Right. They were not integrated into the larger community. Mm-hmm. So even though the rich blacks were still part of the community, that's one of the things that people like my grandfather and others talked about of maybe a disillusion of the black community was all of a sudden you started seeing rich black people who were tokenized into different communities. Yeah. And so you started getting that more of a split. You know, Paul, what we were at, what, what you and I can remember um, is the commitment of those black communities succeeding to their kids. Mm-hmm. They, were the, they were the Boy Scout leaders. They were the teachers. They, were, they, they had the PTAs. Uh, they literally were serving our community because they saw themselves as, 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 as raising their kids up. The problem we had, and we talked about integration before, when you start all of a sudden the Jeffersons or whatever, you, you, you make it, and the message that's been given is that you make it, then the first thing you do is go out and go to a white Moving school or go to a white, white neighborhood, mm. leaving this great community that gave us so much and actually diminishing or devaluing the community that made us good mm-hmm. by up, by, and, and giving value to another community that really didn't want us at the time. Right. But we bought into that, and when we did that, th- our best left. And but what we have left. That's the American dream. Yeah. It's, but See, that's, but, that's, <laughs> right. but that's what's touted as the American dream. Well, no, 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 but so, I think okay. that's being reshaped, and I think yes. it's being reshaped by people, and I'm just going to throw out some famous people here, LeBron James. Uh, it's being shaped, reshaped by uh, John Legend-type people who, um, who are proud of their history and their heritage and who try to lift other people up. And I saw even the way LeBron James interacted with Kanye West, right? So everybody was on board with that <laughs> fight. And what I loved about it was that that was all love. That mm-hmm. those two men exchanged ideas and they couldn't disagree more, right? Uh, ideologically. But 
at the end of the day, they remain friends and they care for one another. And like like John Legend said, if we believe in the ideals of this country, we believe that even black men will disagree and and still mm-hmm. be good black leaders. <clears throat> right. What I'm looking forward to black men doing. Uh, and, and, and the, prob- the problem we're having today is we don't have enough of the middle class like we did in the old days. Mm-hmm. We have people going from mm-hmm. poor to actually very, very wealthy, and they skip that middle class <laughs> yep. of empathy. Yeah. We need the black men to start telling our kids, let's respect our women. No more of this baby mama stuff. Pull up your pants. Get educated. Learn how to speak English. Uh, don't act like being successful and, and classy is a white thing. See, and, and we're not hearing that from these guys. And I, and I, I'm, I, I'm, I would disagree <coughs> on John Legend well, 100%. Well, and we can go by each, each, each individual. Yeah. I'm saying as a group, we don't have enough black men manning up and saying what is really needed for our kids to grow up and be right. We, we, we got this from, our, from my, my parents, my, my dad, my mom and dad. They taught us certain parameters in which to be successful no matter who you are and where you went. And, and that, that, is fr- that is informed me for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Our boys are not getting that. When you have 70% of black boys and girls in, in, in homes where the dads have gone, they're mm-hmm. not even, and nobody's saying anything about it, where are men? I don't, I don't know that I agree with what you're saying in the sense that I, I think just because you're not married doesn't mean right. you aren't taking care of your family. And so <laughs> there, there's this, uh, this misnomer out there that black men aren't taking care of their kids. And I, 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 that's actually, there, there's a, a fair amount of um, evidence to, to suggest otherwise, just like, you know, black people aren't having any more abortions than anybody else. We don't, we don't, we're not on drugs any more than anybody else. That is just kind of this narrative that people have uh, kind of put out there. And I would suggest that it's, generally speaking, coming from uh, non-white sources, uh, I mean, non-black sources, I'm sorry, okay, kind of, because I know uh, a fair amount of my family not married with kids, and their kids are being taken care of. Well, he, and he, so that's, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm one example. I'm not all And first of all, I, um, I respect these moms who are out there making things happen on their own. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't have to be on their own. But, I, but, but again, they're, I they're, say they're, not they're, on they're, their they're, own. They're, they're, my my but, stepson is not married to his, uh, the wife of his, uh, his son, but they take care of their kid together. Okay, and that's that's fine, but that's not happening uh, that often. Unfortunately, that that's not that's not the the the, the common process. When, when normally when these women are having babies on their own, they're on their own. They're see, trying to make things happen. Yeah, can I, can I, can I say this also? And I would say that's also? not a black yeah, problem. Okay. And that's right. You are just more concerned about it because it's your community. Well, it's also yeah. my community that, that was actually seventy percent of the black boys and black men were marrying back in my day. Now it's yeah. just the opposite. We have mm-hmm. a, you have abortion. We've lost over. 18 million black babies since 1973. But I, that's 40%. Okay. That's 40% of today's but population. All I'm saying is and that that is, that's, not, that's not a black problem. That's, that's, that is, again, black That might be a problem well, of well, poverty. When 80, when 80, like, when 80%, it's more complicated. No, 80%, 80%, 80% yeah. of the abortion centers are in black communities. So, okay, yes, well, we have I, a, a I, lot I, more. I, for, I, would, I would certainly say that's not true. And, and, well, that's and, not true and, in Portland. My daughter is true in Alabama or in a lot of the South. One other note. In the state of New York, uh, we had the first depopulation for for the first time in which more blacks were aborted than born. Now these are okay, facts, guys. Not, and, no, and that's not true. I, I, I tell you what, I have. I, I wrote. I wrote a book. I wrote, <laughs> do, I wrote, do you I wrote guys can exchange sources? You guys can sources afterwards. No, no. I wrote. Okay. I wrote a book called okay. Liberalism. I know you guys hate this title. How to turn good men into whiners, winners, and whips. And I have. Now, let me and tell you I, something. You and I, I going to talk about that. Okay. I want you to give Jason an autograph copy. Right, right, right. And I'll say this. I have. 
the statistics of guys, the numbers are there, the data is there. All we have to do is go Google. Well, I'm so grateful to you guys for coming in That's and right. spending so much time. That's like right. so generous with this your time. Is fun. This has been really, fun. really appreciate it. And I want to say, uh, Burgess, Paul, thank you so much. This is yeah. a great discussion. We will continue uh, to be continued, right? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, absolutely. Thank you for listening to Voices Especially once you get into yeah. the, and, and the Paul, campaign. Thank you so much. I appreciate your history. We have a lot in common here. And Jason, you may be guest, guest, great job. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Voices of Reason.